people eating saffron had more sex, better sex, more ability to have sex. Even after they were sexually fatigued, after they were done with sex, they could get back up and have more sex. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Christine Delosier is a licensed acupuncturist specializing in sexual wellness. She's also a holistic nutritional counselor and the author of Diet for Sex, Food for Male and Female Sexual Health. This is a cheeky guide to eating for sexual health. She's been featured on The Daily Mail, CBS, Marie Claire, The Huffington Post, Good Housekeeping, and more. She believes we can have hot sex naturally. On today's show... We talk about common aphrodisiacs, foods that do not support sexy time, foods for great blood flow, and the imposter syndrome that can arise in professionals when it comes to bringing their life's work to the masses. I learned more than a thing or two while recording today's show, and I know you will too. Oh yeah, and make sure to save the recipe and the date night idea at the end of this show. Enjoy that sex chick. Yay, finally a convo that on so many levels we haven't had on the show. Christine, thank you for coming on to That Sex Chick so we can talk about diets for great sex. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. All right. So tell me, what do I need to eat in order to have the best (laughs) orgasm? Or is it too soon? Should we start a little, we should start a little bit soft. Should we, we move, can dive it up? In. We first? can dive in. Yeah. <laughs> we can dive right in. I mean, you know, that's of course uh one of the most uh common complaints that I have for my female patients. They come in and they say, it's so hard for me to have an orgasm. And of course, you know, and it, you know, it just takes me so much longer than my partner. And then, you know, before we get into all of the cultural and historical reasons that that could be, you know, we talk about the physiological things, you know, and, and what we can do. So if you want to have an easier time having an orgasm, uh, easier, better, stronger orgasms, um, one of the best things that you can do is help your nerves to fire strong, rapid impulses to and from your genitals, you know, because great sex, yes, it's a psychological phenomenon. You know, it is the right person. It is the right mood. It's all those things. But physiologically, great sex is when uh, our nerves are firing strong, quick, signals of pleasure. It's when our blood vessels are delivering abundant blood flow and it's when our sex hormones are balanced. And that's when we have the best sex. So when we, if we want to strengthen those nerve impulses, um, you know, we want to eat the right foods that, that help that along because life damages our nerve, uh, our nerves. And, you know, the environmental toxins that we're exposed to the foods we eat, the lack of exercise, Um, All of those things cause oxidative stress to the nerves. And what it does is it slows them down and that's measurable. We can actually measure how quickly an impulse travels from one end to the next in your body. And we can also measure it after we do dietary intervention. So for example, there are a lot of studies really heavily focused on antioxidants and um, they very much do strengthen and speed up those nerve signals. So what that means is that, you know, when your partner touches your, when you touch yourself, the signal that leads to your spine and back again is quicker. That's that reflexive arousal response. You know, it's when it's blood flow, it's lubrication, it's all those things. 
Um, and at the same time, the signal of pleasure goes to your brain quicker, stronger, and you have a signal that comes back quicker and stronger. What that means is that it's sex is just better overall and you, you know, it's much easier to orgasm and better orgasm. So antioxidants are a huge, huge category of foods that are great for sex in many ways, but one of them is in strengthening nerve conduction. Mm, Okay. List a few antioxidants for me, if you will, please. Oh boy. Well, you know, uh, things that we didn't, you might not know are antioxidants Uh are antioxidants like vitamin A, vitamin C, um, then we have things like polyphenols, which are found in berries and apples and things like that. Polyphenols are uh, a strong antioxidant, which will, you know, it'll help your blood vessels. It actually helps um, the integrity of your blood vessels. It strengthens nerve conduction and uh, protects uh, all those vessels against damage. But it also actually has an immediate effect on blood vessels. So what they do, you know, science people, science nerds like myself, you know, sit around and measure how much blood flows through one particular artery at a given time and then measure it after, you know, somebody eats apples or after somebody eats a big steak, you know, and see hmm, which ones, uh, you know, which one's better? When do we have better blood flow? And we find that after eating something rich in polyphenols like apples and berries, we have measurably better blood flow afterwards. And what the reason for that is that those polyphenols actually immediately make those blood vessels a little bit more elastic and therefore they're able to deliver a little bit, a little bit more blood flow. Um, you know, so some of the foods that we eat have actually have a short-term benefit to sex as well as a long-term benefit. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's probably for some people, if they eat a lot of, let's say antioxidants, or if they just care simply, like they just like really care and food is a lifestyle. Um, like I think, okay, so I can go back to when the lubes happen, like you like lubing things up. Um, I'm like, I just wanted to jump in. Like, let's talk about yeah. it. Like, let's see some of the foods with the antioxidant sure. care, uh, category. And I'm sure that there's more categories to that. Was into. a little aphrodisiac. Yes. That was yeah. just a little, yes, yeah, a little warm up. A little amuse bouche. Um, <laughs> so like for Jordan and I, my husband and I, it's very much like our, our way of living matches like the foods that we eat, just the relationship that we have. Um, with it all, just, I don't know. I don't know how else to, how else to describe it. Um, growing up food was challenging growing up. It was from a small South Louisiana town, single mom, hamburger helper was prime, my primary diet and cheeseburger macaroni specifically and kids cuisines and all that. And so like food was just like a thing that you ate and it was for gratification and all of that. And it wasn't for health, so to speak. It was like you eat food because you're hungry and you eat this many times in a day and all of that. And it's been so incredible, like just individuating from the town, from the family and all of that. And then going, I'm, I, I cannot live this way. I'm not functioning properly. I had my gallbladder removed when I was 17. Like I just had a lot of challenges with that. And then started shifting um, my thought and thoughts around it and my mindset and started the painful process of making different choices that were very much conscious incompetence and then conscious competence. And then now it's just like, it's much easier. I can, I can navigate like life and food and all that in a different way. And so now food has become like, I'm going to eat things for my sex life and I'm going to eat things for 
the, the helping my gut. Cause I'm, I'm challenged by, um, SIBO and CIFO and we got mold and all mm-hmm. that going on being living in the areas that I've grown up in and, and yeah. as an adult and definitely getting, um, together with my Greek God of a husband who just like is the marker of how through and through. And I keep going like, for sure, there is something that's not quite right in that system. And then he gets it tested and he's like, nope, I'm perfect. And I'm like, of course you are. Please, our future children, give them all of these genetics. Um, but anyway, so it's just, you know, this this relationship with like food and all of that. So when I hear these these pieces of like dieting for for great sex and or like just not dieting for great sex, but like the diet that one could have that would inspire a lot of like blood flow and hormone balance and all of that. And I'm sure you're going to dig into that even more, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. You know, I can relate to what you were saying. I too grew up in a single parent house and, you know, my mom was working two or three jobs always to support us. So we ate from a box, you know, we ate frozen dinners all the time. We ate canned stuff. We ate the fattiest, greasiest, saltiest stuff. And that was, you know, back, um, you know, back then it's like, that, that was when the first generation, I think, of kids who weren't weren't usually getting their meals from home, you know, where their parents were cooking it, mom generally, you know, cooking it. And so we as a society, we embraced this whole wave of packaged foods. And now we're seeing just how, you know, how that's affecting our clitoris and, you know, our, our penis and, and depending on who we are. So. Um, yeah, you know, all that stuff, um, you know, you don't think when you're 10, 11 and 12 years old, that all that stuff you're putting into your body is going and depositing fatty accumulations in the arteries of your clitoris. And, you know, you, it's going to stay there. You know, you know, we don't think about that stuff. Yeah. Is it reversible, these deposits and things that you just mentioned? Is it something like you can eat and you can change ways of living and that's those that blood flow and all that can move around or be different? Yeah. You know, there's a lot that that we can do. Um, One of the cruel jokes of mother nature is that um, the arteries of the clitoris, penis, and vagina are among the smallest in the body. And what that means is that long before you see plaque accumulation elsewhere, you see any kind of signs of heart disease or anything like that, you see sexual decline. You know, Mm -hmm. like less pleasure, uh, weaker erections, things like that because those are the first to get blocked because they're so tiny. So, um, and, but that accumulation, you know, we think it's like a problem of somebody in their fifties, sixties and above, but it's actually not. They did these studies where they, they did autopsies on people who died young, you know, in combat or in car accidents. And they looked at their blood vessels and found that people right out of high school already have fatty accumulations beginning to develop on their arteries. And what that is, is that's early heart disease. I mean, that's early early cardiovascular disease. And it's always been thought of as something that's progressive and irreversible. It's like you can slow down how much is accumulating, but it's not going to reverse. But actually, they're finding more research modernly that that's not entirely true. Um, one of the best things that you can eat for great sex are leaves. Um, and we can talk about why. But what, that's actually the only food that's been researched and shown to actually reverse some of that accumulation in arteries, which is really exciting. Um, we're meant to eat a lot of leaves. You know, if you look at other primates, they sit around in trees eating leaves all the time. You know, humans, we don't know what to eat. Uh, we've lost our way. You know, other animals, they seem to know what to eat. 
we don't really, but we should all be eating a lot of leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what you think about the teeth and uh, all of the like, we're omnivores or if we're supposed to be only herbivores or we know a few people in the biohacking community that are only carnivore, at least for now, until something happens in their uh, biomarkers and then they change their mind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the closest primates to us, you know, they eat lots of leaves, you know, they eat lots of fruit, they eat lots of berries, you know, they're chimpanzees a much smaller portion of their calories comes from um, animal products. I think it's like about 7% of their calories. The, our closest gene- genetic relative takes in about 7% of their calories from um, animal products. Interesting. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Yes, you were right. Nature, cruel and unusual punishment there with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with blocking the tiny arteries first. Yoni Pleasure Palace. Y'all, this is my go-to sacred sexuality brand. I have absolutely loved every single YPP piece that I've added to my collection. Just a day ago, Jordan read erotica to me while I played and explored with the sacred squirter. Pro tip, run any of their crystals or glass toys under hot water, get them to body temperature, unless of course you like them cold and play and explore your body using every edge, curve or ridge on these magically crafted items. And second pro tip, do all of this playing and exploring on one of their waterproof blankets. I have multiple blankets from different companies and most of them feel like an uncomfortable felt pad or maybe even like a puppy pad, which is not sexy. But the Yoni Pleasure Palace blankets feel like delicious velvet perks. You can surrender, slow down and relax knowing that lube, sweat or other bodily fluids won't cause you to have to strip your bed sheets over and over again. Jordan and I use our YPP blanket to signal to each other that we are open and available for sex on any particular day. I could go on and on and on about the YPP product line. I feel like we have nearly every item that they offer, which means we have quite the collection. And each glass or crystal product is 100% body safe, hypoallergenic, compatible with all lubricants, temperature responsive and free from any petrochemicals, plastics, or risins. It is by far the company that we own the most toys from and for good reason. You can explore the entire pleasure and healing range available over at www.yonipleasurepalace.com. And you can use my code, that sex chick, all one word, T-H-A-T-S-E-X-C-H-I-C-K for 10% off your total order. I thought for a moment that what if I just kept asking all the questions that I really have? And then at the very yeah, end, right. I say, how about you tell everyone who the heck you are? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to karate chop and say, we want to tell everybody how you have all of this knowledge and how you came oh, to yeah, sure. be okay. before I just keep going in. Yeah, sure. Okay. So my name is Christine Delosier. I wrote a book called Diet for Great Sex, Food for Male and Female Sexual Health. Um, And it is focused on what foods we can eat to improve our sex life, to improve what we talked about, the trifecta of great sex. And how I came to be in a position to write this book is, um, well, first of all, I am an acupuncturist and herbalist in private practice specializing in sexual health. I have, you know, some certifications and things in holistic nutrition and, you know, straight in, in dietary, uh, traditional Chinese dietary therapy, that sort of thing. 
Um, I was trained as a research scientist, so that's where all the science comes in. Uh, I have <laughs> of my what is it? A total of like seventy five thousand word book. I think about fifteen to twenty thousand is actually the reference section. So I reviewed <laughs> a whole lot of research in doing it, but it's fun. It's like fun look at the science of it all. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I could prove everything that I was saying, um, that it was actually backed by science. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's how I came to, to write that book. Um, and that's why I'm here, uh, talking about it. So good. And how about the more personal story, like uh, maybe some highlights of the personal things that, that really stood out to you that are like, Oh, this is leading me in this direction. Because yeah. talking about food and also talking about sex, I'm sure that there's some reasons. Like I have my reasons that I have a whole company of people moving and grooving and helping others with orgasms and sex and all that stuff. <laughs> so and having better relationships and and all of that. It's all a big beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if I, honestly, I've always wanted to do something uh, meaningful with my life, um, and so. One day I just had a patient who uh, came into me. I was treating a lot of back pain, uh, neck pain, headaches, things like that. And he asked me if I could do something to help him have stronger erections. And so I said, sure. Yeah, let's give it a go. You know, we'll, we'll try it out. I needled him. One of the places I needled him, which was, you know, even at the time was, I was a little awkward doing it was underneath his testicles um, in between the perineum or in the perineum and in between the anus and the testicles. It's a major crossing point of nerves associated with sexual function. And um, he had such good results and it made such a difference to his relationship with his wife. Uh, he was so, so happy with the results. And um, then I had just a patient after that. And after that, who had really good results. And this is, you you know, from the field that you work in, just how difficult um, treating erections is, you know, treating sexual, uh, any kind of sexual dysfunction is something really challenging yeah. to treat. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we were getting such good results, it made me feel like this was a, a meaningful way to spend my time. I mean, personally, even more personal, a little bit about my background. Um, I was, let's see, I was a single teenage mom. Um, I grew up with a single teenage mom. Um, you know, college dropout. And, uh, you know, so, it, you know, getting to this point was a very long road. Um, and of course, I've always loved food along the way. I love the aesthetic of food. I love, you know, all that stuff. And I grew up poor, you know, kind of poor relatively. So we, you know, food, having good food around me was such a luxury um, that I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I developed a passion for food, you know, making it look pretty, you know, taking photos of it. I'm trying to make recipes that, um, that looked good, taste good and are healthy because I've always kind of had this belief that, uh, the natural approach to health is probably the one that works best, you know? Uh, so that's kind of how my whole philosophy in life and kind of how I, I got to be there, if that makes sense, or maybe I was kind of jumbled and rambling. I don't know. I don't no, know. I think it was great. You grew up with your circumstances and it sounds like your relationship food. And then eventually, um, sounds like you fell in love with making it pretty and finding stuff that tastes really good. And yeah, I would imagine yeah. eventually actually enjoying, uh, the luxuries of good food. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
So good. So something that I, so I've read through lots of your posts on Instagram. I've taken a look uh, and uh, you were recommended by two other clients, two private clients of mine from this past year um, in 2021, Rachel Main, who has a podcast and then Jordan Donnell, who has a podcast as well. So if y'all are listening and you like my show, then chances are you'll like my client shows as well. Um, And I know that you've been a guest on both of theirs. And so um, in in getting the referral and when the new message me, I'm like, oh, this is a great you know, co- conversation and opportunity to crack open health discussion um, around the health discussion that also includes sex or includes sex specifically. Like we're going to go there under the understanding of like health and food and diet and all of that and sex, which is not something that a lot of people can even come onto the show and really speak to. Like it's pretty rare that I have someone that's like, oh, I, I specialize in this. In fact, you're the first person that I've interacted with on that. So I snooped around. I looked at um, some of the other shows that you'd been on and all of that. And then eventually I got to a post that where you talked about imposter syndrome. And there was something in that um, that resonated for me and resonated on, on, in my own personal journey with there were times where I felt like my brand and everything was geared to great relationships, but maybe my relationship wasn't so great at that time. Or it was geared towards helping people with their sex lives, but mine was non-existent. Like a lot of this, like, do I have what it takes to actually show up in this space and communicate in a way that people will listen to me? Is my story a detriment to this whole process or actually the reason it like gives me the platform that, that proves to the world that this is exactly what I'm supposed to do? And so um, I would love to hear a little bit of your, your perspective on that and like actually getting to write your book. Yeah. So I think the post you're talking about um, was uh, an article I wrote that was called uh, fat chicks writing diet books, question mark. And you know, I have four kids and I um, definitely not the same size I I was before I had the four kids. Um, I'm, I'm not a thin woman. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't mind calling myself fat, but everybody says, don't call yourself fat. You know, I, I mean, I'm fat. Okay. I'm fat. I'm, I'm hot, but I'm fat. Okay. <laughs> and I'm hot. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, um, so, but one of the things I worried about, I even asked my publicist about it. I said, you know, okay, I've got a bunch of degrees, you know, I'm highly trained. I'm in private practice. I'm specializing in this. I, you know, have all these qualifications, but are people going to say, you know, what business does this fat chick have, you know, telling me what to eat when clearly she hasn't quite figured it out herself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, do I need to explain myself here? Um, You know, am I credible? Am I a credible person? I mean, it doesn't matter that, you know, Hey, I've got all this science to to show it. It, Am I, um, am I the face of this message? And, um, you know, it, it just, uh, you know, it kind of brought a, a lot of that stuff you were talking about, the imposter syndrome, um, into, into play. I mean, every person who doesn't conform to the media expectation of what beauty is, um, has, a, a reckoning that they have to do. They have an acceptance process of loving themselves, um, liking themselves and, and, uh, recognizing their, their worth and their, and their beauty. And kind of, I took a couple steps back at that moment, 
um, from all the progress I had made. I mean, when I was in my 20s and 30s and, you know, I had had one kid and I lost a whole bunch of weight and I, I felt really good, but I still wouldn't wear a bikini because I just felt like I, oh, I've got this pouch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wear a bikini. When I turned 40, I was like way heavier than I was back then. And I went out and bought a bikini because I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I want, I like this bikini. I want to sun my belly and I'm really okay with it. And I felt much more beautiful than I had when I was way more in accordance with, um, you know, the, the media idea of what, of what is attractive. So um, anyways, so I just felt like, okay, let me just put this out there because I feel like this is something that every single person alive deals with. We all deal with, especially in the dating world, um, you know, wondering, am I good enough to be dated? Am I good enough to, for somebody to, will, to want to have sex with me, to find me attractive? Um, you know, it, it, it's like, I wrote this, this other article saying like, Okay, the media tells you if you don't look like the person on the screen, nobody's going to want to fuck you. You know that was that was the message, and and we internalize this message. You know, we we don't have big enough tits, we don't have a big enough ass, or our penis isn't big enough. All those things, those messages come into play, and it prevents people from dating. Um, it prevents people from feeling like they're worthwhile. So, um, anyways, to make a long story short, uh, that's uh, why I wrote that article. A huge part of my life with Jordan is our dogs. Some of y'all may know we have a blue nose pit bull named Biggie James Smalls and a French bulldog named Little. They are quite the duo. Biggie, as Jordan likes to say, is his firstborn baby boy. And a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, I just had to have a pup of my own. The stars aligned and my baby girl Little was brought into my world. And for the record, we did not name them Big and Little on purpose. Biggie is 11 and Jordan is a huge Big Papa fan. Little is two and I tried to name her many other things, but Little she liked and Little she listened to, so Little she became. They are the source of so much joy for us. We connect with each other by taking walks around our neighborhood with the dogs. They are our favorite snuggle bugs when we are curled up on the couch with a movie. We love visiting Zilker Park in the heart of Austin and letting them run around with all the other dogs. Little often joins me in my office while I'm on calls. I often refer to her as the sex and love co mascot, unofficial mascot. And Jordan loves taking Biggie to swim a few times per week. We are absolutely convinced that he was a sea mammal in a past life. <laughs> as Biggie has gotten older, we've noticed that after big trips to the park or long swim sessions, he's a bit slower to move around later that day and the next day. His joints get a little stiff and sometimes are even painful. Our vet recommended we try adding pup-friendly CBD oil into his diet. I had no idea that dogs have an endocannabinoid system just like humans do. So we've recently upgraded the treat jar over here to the... CBD dog treats from Cured Nutrition. We also started adding a few drops of Cured Nutrition CBD oil to Big's food every so often to help with the discomfort in his hips and his shoulder joints due to arthritis. Uh, Little isn't left out of this either, though. She's a small dog with anxious tendencies, uh, kind of like mother, like daughter here. So she gets a few drops when I know we'll be traveling or having an event at our house. 
Both of them get a little CBD when the holidays are upon us and fireworks might be going off around our neighborhood or when the weather says a thunderstorm is coming. So it's, it's really quite sad to see big saunter around the house. He's this big jacked pit bull, but his tail goes right between his legs and he can't get close enough to Jordan or I. We treat our pups like our children. We love them dearly. And it's important to us to make sure that they have a great quality of life. To give Cured Nutrition a try, whether it's their pet products or their human ones, head to the link in my show notes. Not all CBD is made equal, y'all, and Cured Nutrition is literally as good as it gets when it comes to ingredients and, of course, high-quality, full, and broad-spectrum CBD. We are incredibly considerate when it comes to choosing what goes in our bodies as well as our pups. It's our plan for every member of our family to live a long healthy, happy, and pleasurable life. Check the show notes for more info and make sure to use the code thatsexchick, all one word, for 10% off your order of items not already a part of discounted bundles. I love that. And I'm sure, like you said, so many people would resonate with what you were sharing. Like, yes, you are communicating, You your Instagram is diet for great sex and all that, but there's so many other elements to who you are and what you do that people can relate to and connect with you on. And so they might go, yeah, whatever, diet for great sex. But then they read that post which, or that read that article, which is not directly about what to eat or how to, you know, proportions or whatever. And they go, oh, there's realness here. I'm going to check her stuff out. And so I, I, that's a testament to like, there are times whenever I'm sharing, well, actually right now at the point of this recording, I am in the throes with functional medicine and um, doing all the testing and stool testing and blood testing and urine testing for all these things to try to confirm what's going on in my body and so that I can eat accordingly um, to help just get the bugs. I'm just going to call them bugs. Get the bugs out so that I have a, a relatively clean, I want to say palate, but so my insides can process and digest and hold on to micronutrients at all. You know, mm-hmm. at this at this point, I'm just dealing with borderline, well, dysbiosis for sure and malabsorption and um, I'm eating all the right things, but I'm not able to keep the nutrients, you know, mm-hmm. so I've got, I have low storage, high intake, low storage, something's not quite right there. Um, and so I've been sharing a lot about that because for me, um, which I'm, I'm sure you can speak to this on some level, I, with whatever is going on in my system right now, it causes really uncomfortable, borderline, painful bloating. And if I am puffy and I am bloated, sex is absolutely not available for Mm. myself and for my partner. I'm uncomfortable. I dealt with constipation for many years post gallbladder. It was, it was the opposite challenge at first. And then it quickly went into constipation. And then if that's the case, then sex is also not on the table. So just this inability, because you said antioxidants at the beginning and like this at first, the inability to even go to the bathroom. So my detox, detox pathways not happening, blood, blood flow. There's so, there was so much. Um, and when you said berries, I was like fiber, <laughs> you know, I have so many raspberries in my refrigerator right now so that I can try to get my fiber naturally so that I can actually move my system. And all of these things that have to do with my, the way my body functions and have to do with food, get in for, for me personally, get in the way of my sex life all of the time. And I get really frustrated about it. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure like that, 
doesn't directly have to do with like sex, so to speak, but it also does. So I share about this kind of stuff on my Instagram and in my socials and even to my email list and here on the podcast. Um, cause I just feel like it's so many people are like, ah, oh, what? Yes. She also, she's not perfect. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the book is not about losing weight at all. It's just about having better sex and having better sensitivity. And, you know, as far as our gut goes, our gut affects everything. It affects all those three pieces of health. It affects, you know, our blood flow, it affects our hormones and it, and it affects, um, for sure our, um, our nerves as well. One of the amazing antioxidants that I just love. I actually have a whole chapter about it in my book is mushrooms. And they, they will, they do have a tremendous effect in a well-documented, well-researched proven effect on nerve conduction and nerve strength and speed, particularly things like lion's mane, but even other plain white button mushrooms, because they're loaded with antioxidants. They're also, the coolest thing about them is that they have all these tremendous effects um, because of their effect on the microbiome, which is so cool. So all the research out there shows that, you know, even your white button mushrooms, for example, um, increase the um, diversity, the biodiversity of microbes in your digestive tract uh, in a positive way. And different mushrooms affect different organisms specifically, but in general, they um, improve uh, improve the microbiome. So for example, they did this one study on, it, it was on obesity. It was, uh, they, they had this group of, um, obese rats and they fed them reishi mushrooms and the, the rats lost weight. Then what they did is they had a new group of obese rats. They transferred the feces of the first rats that had been given reishi into the new group of rats. And they also lost weight, even though they didn't take any of the reishi which shows that the effect of the reishi was its benefit was on their microbiome. It was on, it was not um, from just the nutrients of the reishi, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I really wish I liked mushrooms. Well, if you don't like mushrooms, I have a very, there's actually the recipe in my book. Um, Chaga is for you. So chaga mushrooms are, They're like these, it it basically grows inside the bark of birch trees and some other trees. And there basically emerges these woody chunks. So they cut them into chunks. And so it's like taking a big chunk of wood. You take like a few, a handful of them, you boil it up and the water turns like a caramel color, the same color as coffee. That's one of the reasons it was used as a coffee substitute in World War II. And it has a really nice vanilla aroma. What I like to do with it is I like to throw in some fennel, some cardamom, some cinnamon, nutmeg, and um, a little honey and put some almond milk in there and have a chaga chai latte. So you don't get any caffeine, but it's loaded with antioxidants. It's anti-inflammatory. There's actually been a little bit of research on chaga mushrooms. Mm. Um, So you get all those great benefits of the antioxidants to sex and, um, they, it tastes wonderful. It's such a nice drink uh, in the evening that that I like to have. So good. Yeah, we have one of the sponsors of the show is uh, a company called Everyday Dose, and they have a mushroom latte that has chaga in it. And I've been slowly but surely, well, yeah, it ha- wasn't slow. I, I felt as though around the time when uh, Jordan and I were getting married that I was really frazzled and very stressed out. And so I was like, I think that the coffee that I'm drinking every day is not helping this situation. Yeah. And so yeah. I went for a coffee, al- coffee alternative. 
that is lion's mane and chaga and L-theanine and suntheanine. And, um, and it's like about a third of what of the caffeine would be in like a full cup of coffee. And so I'm slowly on my way to like not having so much caffeine, but, uh, so because my, my whole idea is like, if my, if I have a lot of anxiety, then that's also getting in the way of great sex too. And connection. Yeah. Well, um, actually there's, there's, so I wrote an article about this not too long ago about, um, nutritional approaches to anxiety. Actually, there's this guy that I connected with, um, via social media. He just wrote a whole book about it, about, and it's kind of like my book, except for talking about mental health Mm. and, um, really cool. I'd love, I want to read his book and I don't remember the name of it. So I wish I could kind of plug it because it's such a, an important, you know, uh, work, but anyways, some of the things that I found in my research, uh, where vitamin C rapidly improves mood, according to research. So if you're having a day where you're feeling anxious, um, keep some some of those berries. You say you've got a lot of berries, you know, add in more berries or um, keep a vitamin C uh, supplement because we're talking about it, that can have a short-term benefit. Um, and then another thing long-term for anxiety that's really good is uh, potassium. There's a strong relationship to um, the amount of potassium we get in, in our diets and um, and just overall feelings of well-being, anxiety, depression, um, things like that. So, But most of us don't get enough potassium. As a matter of fact, it's really important for sex too. It's something that I read a lot about in my book. Um, most you know, humans used to get about 10 times as much potassium as sodium in our diets. Mm-hmm. And now with our processed diets, we get about 10 times as much sodium as potassium. And that wreaks havoc on our blood vessels. And obviously it also has an effect on our mood and, and, and everything else. Um, it's important in, uh, I believe the dopamine pathway as well. I'll have to re recheck that one, um, about the relationship between potassium and uh, dopamine production. But at any rate, there isn't a, uh, there is a strong effect on our mood. So, um, but the thing about it is potassium is can offset some of those negative effects of sodium on our blood vessels. And it's basically softens that delicate inner lining of blood vessels to deliver more blood flow. So um, you really want to get, everybody should be getting at least a few different sources of potassium because the best sources usually have about 20% of your RDA. Um, And we're talking about a baked yam with the skin and about 40% of the potassium is in the skin. So a baked yam with the skin, a baked potato, some squash, um, or a mango, an orange, and of course, leafy greens again are another great source. So another good reason to eat leafy greens. Hello, love bugs. Brinsky here. And I'm here to talk to you about codependency. <laughs> now, some of you know that I ended a 10-year relationship to break my codependency and to really heal my limiting beliefs and the way that I was operating in my marriage but I'm here to talk to you about a different codependency. This is my codependency with coffee and how that relationship has just gotten a little out of hand lately where I was getting up to two lattes a day. Not only is it fucking expensive, um, it's not good for my hormones, my health, my anxiety. And I watched Lex try it and love it. And so I said, okay, I'm ready to make the switch too. I've made the switch and y'all, I absolutely love it. Everyday dose is an incredible coffee alternative. It has got one third of the caffeine of coffee, 
but it's loaded with all of these incredible ingredients like mushrooms and collagen and nootropics. And just by switching from coffee to everyday dose, I have noticed such an increase in my mood. I feel happier, less anxious. My energy is way more stable. I'm not having those crazy afternoon crashes. And I'm also not codependent on this beverage that I have to have in the morning or else I can't function because I hated that. I hated being so reliant on something. And so, um, I'm so grateful that I made that switch. And if you were looking to break your codependency too, then I invite you to check it out, to try it. When you use the code that sex chick, you get 20% off an already discounted starter kit, which takes it up to, I think 65% off your first order, which makes it so freaking affordable y'all. Um, there's literally no risk to try it. And if you decide that you don't like it, they literally give you your money back, but I love everyday dose. I imagine you will too. And so I encourage you to give it a try. Let us know how you like it and break that codependency once and for all. Now back to today's show. I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm learning all kinds of things. Um, so thank you. And bringing it to specifically the, the topic of food for great sex and, or, or even great oral sex, because I'm, I'm sure that gets asked as well, like what food helps for great oral sex for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm sure that there's some food that doesn't lead to sex. So I'd love to hear what some of those are, because earlier you said something light and then you said steak. And in my mind, I went, that feels so I imagine yeah. all of the focus of the body goes to the stomach and trying to process that. Um, and so just by, by context clues, I imagine that some heavy animal proteins might not necessarily help the system, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So, um, we know one of the benefits of something like beef, uh, is I mean, for, okay, well, we've got the pros and the cons of beef. Beef is a very bioavailable source of zinc, which is a huge player in sexual health. Anybody who's doing plant-based, what you want to do is make sure that you um, are getting the zinc from your food because most of the protein sources like beans and, um, you know, other legumes and grains, it, the zinc is bound to a substance called phytates. And that's why people throughout history have soaked or sprouted your grains and legumes is because it releases those phytates and then your zinc is bioavailable. It's absorbable by the body. Um, and again, it's a huge player in, um, in that. The con, of course, with red meat is all the fat. And when you eat a greasy, fatty meal, um, it disrupts your hormone. It does a whole number of things. I mean, one fatty, greasy meal will actually in the short term dump testosterone. So it's one of those things you don't want to eat in your date night sex menu because you can actually measure it a couple hours after a greasy meal, your testosterone will be lower. And so you're not going to be as in the mood for sex. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the things that you want to watch for, if you're trying to have great sex or salt within 30 minutes of eating a salty meal, m blood vessels are measurably stiffer. And of course there's all those, a whole slew of long-term cons to eating salt for sex. I mean, according to the research that I looked at, most of us eat more salt in our diets than is considered fit for human consumption, meaning that it's not considered tolerable by the human body. Um, it, it's, it's more than is considered. It's like to the level of toxicity, basically that we're eating um, salt. So salt is one fatty, greasy foods is another. 
and um, sugar, you know, all the refined sugars, you know, yes on the fruits, no on the refined sugars. There's a whole lot of research just showing how um, the really sugary um, stuff that we eat, whether it's sodas, drinks, um, baked goods, all that stuff it really disrupts our sex hormones for the worse. You know, it, it interferes with testosterone, estrogen, and a whole, it, it causes leptin resistance, which then affects our sex hormones. Um, it's de- definitely not good for, for sex. And a sugary meal, it, anything that spikes your, your glucose levels will also drop testosterone in the short term as well. Yeah, and yes, my wheels are turning. So a meal that is fatty, greasy, salty, and sweet would just be like, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, so if, it, if the goal is having great sex later in the day, that's not how you set yourself up for it. Right. Well, I have a date night sex menu in the book, and these those are all the things that were shown in research to have an immediate effect on um, blood vessels or you know, advice on staying away from the things that'll dump your testosterone. But there's a few things that actually were shown in research to have what we call a postprandial effect, meaning that it's within that two hour window after eating, they actually have um, some kind of an effect. So again, you're staying away from your, you know, sugary, salty, fatty foods. But if you have an omega-3 fatty meal, like, you know, salmon or something like that, it actually has the opposite effect on your blood vessels. Mm -hmm. So it actually makes them more elastic. The other thing is um, your potassium that has a, a improved uh, arterial function, your polyphenols that we talked about, and um, also leafy greens. Leafy greens, again, one, one more reason to love them. Um, you know, besides them being, they're actually high in zinc and they actually have been shown in research to reduce cortisol, which means that it reduces that stress hormone. Another reason which you would, in, you would benefit for that, from that, especially um, just from the cortisol reduction, but all of us do because cortisol sabotages testosterone. So um, that's one thing that leafy greens do. But in the short term, leafy greens um, actually improve, again, the elasticity. They're high in potassium, so they bring that term, short-term benefit. And they're high in naturally occurring nitrates which are vasodilators. So what they do is they increase nitric oxide, which is what dilates our blood vessels and brings more blood flow. Uh, And if you think that it's just, oh, how much effect could spinach have? Think about this one study. Uh, Participants were given one serving of spinach. And then two hours later, their salivary nitric oxide was measured, which remember nitric oxide is what dilates blood vessels. And two hours post one serving of spinach, it was eight times that of baseline. Wow. So it's a, it, it is a significant effect. It's not like a Viagra pill, but it is, you know, it's measurable and it's significant. Interesting. Yeah. Jordan and I have again over the counter trick oxide tablets before, before sex. Be careful with those because the research that I, I saw um, showed that they can, they can have risks associated with them. You're better to eat the spinach, honestly, or, well, you know, I mean, something else, the beets, you know, yes. stuff like that. Well, it wasn't in place of, it wasn't like, let's okay. have this instead yeah. of spinach where we're, we would absolutely have the beets and the spinach, but it was more like a, he's very biohacky, which all of this is very biohacky type information. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he was in some research about blood flow and um, breath work. And he actually had this whole like ritual of stuff 
one thing after the next thing after the next thing, and then eventually led into sex. And I'm I'm happy being being a guinea pig and playing with him most of the time. <laughs> um, and most of his biohacky stuff isn't really connected to sex per se, but this one he was really into. Some of Jamie, I don't know if you're familiar with Jamie Wheel, but some of his info and research and things. And he recently wrote a book called Recapture the Rapture. Um, and it's, you know, it talks about more than just sex, but, uh, but yeah, this was like some stuff that he was talking about in his promo for his book. And then Jordan wound up reading the book. And so I have nitric oxide tablets. I'm like, are you sure? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Have a little cherry tab and then do rounds of breath work. And that was cool, but no, not in place certainly of us eating a salad with beets and spinach in it. So duly. So a lot of those. Yeah, a lot of those um, pre-workout things operate on the same principle as that. You know, some of the things like beet beetroot juice powder oh, yeah. and, have, you know, things like that. Yeah, we have some of that. We have some pre-workout stuff that's made of powdered beets. Yeah. Well, not only does it, you know, increase nitric oxide, but it also um, improves the way your cells utilize oxygen, which means it makes for better stamina, you know, yeah better performance overall on both parts. You know, you don't get as as fatigued and that sort of thing. For sure. And when you're trying to have a marathon of sex, I guess that would really make sense. Or you're trying to go to the gym. Yeah. Um, So yeah, (laughs) my vagina is like marathon of sex. No, (laughs) that sounds terrible. Well, it actually, you know, depends. Um, So you used a phrase called testosterone dumping and I feel like I kind of know what that means, but I'll go ahead and ask, what does that mean? So you, you have a, a meal or you have an ingredient or type of food and the way that it reacts in the body leads to this testosterone dumping. So the first question I have is, what is that? And then the second question is, if you were to eat a food that didn't do that and actually supported your stamina and blood flow and your neuropathways and your nervous system and all of those things, what would that look like? So if one is testosterone dumping, does it essentially mean that the other food is testosterone gathering? So some of the some of the culinary aphrodisiacs actually do increase testosterone. Um, the problem is this, the better they work, oftentimes the, the more risks they carry. So, uh, you know, some of the herbal ones, things like that, you just have to be careful that the amount that you need to be effective is not dangerously close to the amount that would be um, dangerous. But yes, in general, I didn't come across any research about foods per se that will increase testosterone. There's plenty of foods that'll that'll sharply drop your testosterone after eating them. Again, the really fatty and the sugary ones being the ones that I found um, more of the research on. Things like, uh, you know, there are some culinary aphrodisiacs in my book. I have a whole chapter on aphrodisiacs. I tried to stick with the ones that had some research to support them. Yeah. Um, I, and not, I didn't include the ones that I didn't find it. But even the ones that are included there, they only have like a few studies. It's not a yeah. huge body of research. Yeah. So, you know, and some of them operate effectively by increasing testosterone. So something like cloves, for example, cloves were one of the, the aphrodisiacs that worked in the short term. So there was one research uh, study that showed that two hours after eating cloves, people had better sex and were more satisfied. Okay. And, you know, a, a lot of the other ones, it's more like they give the aphrodisiac to people on a regular basis and then measure, take measurements at one week, at two weeks, that sort of thing. Cloves was one of the ones that actually act, act, acted in the short term as a culinary aphrodisiac. Cloves are strong. 
Um, but you know, something like saffron is something that has a lot more research to show that it actually works. Oh, yep. Yeah. Cloves, um, increase testosterone. Yep. This was a study that found that they increased testosterone. So, um, something like uh, saffron actually has a lot more studies than all the other aphrodisiacs. And, um, it did show that, you know, people eating saffron had more sex, better sex, and, um, you know, more ability to have sex, even after they were sexually fatigued, after they were done with sex, they could get back up and have more sex. Mm. So that's a nice one. I have some recipes online with that. So good. Okay. So then essentially kind of going back to my original question, testosterone dumping, would that, would that mean that they eat this stuff and then testosterone is just excreted? Like it's just, or it just drops, it stops production. Um, yeah, how that actually looks. See, okay. So every hormone in our body has natural fluctuations, you know, throughout the day, you know, depending on our needs, you know, the needs of our body. And so, um, you know, we have these negative feedback uh, systems that tell us, you know, how much of one thing to produce. So typically, you know, some of these feedback systems operate on if levels of one substance are high, then, um, that triggers the, yeah, either the halting and production of another substance. So that's how uh, I would see it. It's probably, um, yes, just, you know, the body releasing or producing less testosterone in that particular time period. Got it. And testosterone I've always understood as, is the main sex drive hormone. It's, it's one of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hugely important in male and female libido for sure. For sure. I mean, but you know, the other ones are important. So is, is, are we looking for essentially foods that sure in either in theory or small studies or whatever increase testosterone or we're more looking at that sure, but also primarily things that increase, like you were saying, the blood flow. So the thing about it is this, I mean, we don't want too little, but we don't want too much. The thing about testosterone is that it tends to decline with age. So we're usually looking to boost it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's why there's always that focus on increasing testosterone. We, we know that, for example, even females who complain of low, um, low libido, sometimes when s- their doctors will supplement with uh, testosterone right. and it will help their libido. So we know that. Um, having said that, too much testosterone carries health risks, you know, in, in the sense that you don't want to just raise it. Every time you raise or throw one hormone out of balance, a whole slew of other hormones get out of balance. And so that's why people rarely present with just a single hormone being out of whack. It's always like a whole cascade of them. That's why it's like you think about sugar as being, you know, oh, that well, that affects insulin, that affects leptin, but actually it affects the whole thing. It affects all your sex hormones as well. Okay. How about food that can make oral sex better. Now, no. Serena mentioned this in my questions here, which I thought was fun. And then I thought to myself, is she talking about how someone's body smells based off of their food? But that's also connected to more of the psychological element for food equal diet equal great sex. Yeah. So um, I actually haven't come across, I, I get asked this all the time. I haven't come across any research. I even looked up research to showing, okay, what about asparagus? You know, what about pineapple? Things like that. Yeah. I, I didn't come across uh, any great research that showed one way or another if they're, you know, if that actually works. So I couldn't tell you. Um, 
I mean, I will tell you this, that sometimes being obsessed with the way we smell can drive us to do some desperate things that aren't good for our vaginal health, you know? So, um, I mean, there's so much emphasis, especially on female genitalia, um, on odor and things like that. And, you know, that somehow we're disgusting or that we, um, you know, people don't want to go down on us because the vagina is smelly place to be and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, obviously stay clean, but my grandmother told me a story, for example, that, you know, she used to douche with Lysol. And I thought, I'm like thinking, okay, are you a whack job or what? Mm -hmm. Then I went and wrote an article about, you know, sex in different eras. And I found all these articles that were targeted to housewives, um, basically in a nutshell, saying that their husbands left them because they have a smelly coochie. Um, It was like, that they, I mean, I can't even believe that in the fifties, they were putting this stuff out, but there was one, there was one ad that showed a woman banging on the bathroom door and saying, don't shut me out of our marriage. And it said like, she was a good wife, but the one neglect of was intimate health. And then it showed a bottle of Lysol. And that was apparently used commonly as a douche to make us smell like a, a mopped floor and, you know, just so wild and totally disrupt microbiome there, which could then possibly lead to things like the first thing that comes to mind. I don't know if it, if it, could or if, if this, I'm not, of course I'm not a GYN or a doctor or anything, but I think bacterial vaginosis, if you're killing the bad things and then other stuff grows and it's just like all weird, your body's trying to write itself. Bacterial vaginosis smells terrible for a lot of people. I don't want to say all, maybe some people don't have that symptom, but like, it's crazy. So you're putting these things that have these fragrances where they kill bacteria and then what you potentially create is an even worse situation. Exactly. Exactly. You turn something that was a natural biological odor into something that's, yeah, a pathological odor. Wild. Okay. So I just think like, Originally, like if it's a certain culture that eats a certain kind of spice or, you know, a lot of it, um, then maybe their body would have a certain smell that a palate, the palate of somebody from a different part of the world might, it might not appeal to, or they might notice it more than someone who's used to that. And so, I mean, I'm sure that it's happening all the time, all over the place based off of diet. I did. I, okay. I will admit, I'll get real uh, and a little candid and tell you that when, when I um, ate a lot of garlic, I did notice <laughs> that, you know, down there smelled a little garlicky. I mean, I don't know. It, 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 and that, I guess, makes sense. I mean, you know, if your body is absorbing it. Sure. I mean, it, the, the premise that um, eating, you know, can affect your, your secretions and how they taste is definitely, you know, it could be. It's just that people don't pay to have it studied, you know? Yeah. And also... Like you just find you a person that also likes garlic. <laughs> right. You know, like for me, if I even think about garlic, I have heartburn. So I'm not, you just got to find someone that like, likes the things you like. And then there you go. Then you're match made. Yeah. So interestingly, garlic, you know, kind of kills bad breath um, bacteria. So, you know, people worry about bad breath and garlic, but actually it's kind of working for you, you know? Right. There you go. So it kills the bacteria that cause bad breath while giving you garlic breath, not necessarily right. bad breath, but garlic <laughs> right. breath. Okay. Right. So it may or may not affect your 
uh, ability to seal the deal, seal the sexual deal <laughs> at the end of a night. I don't know. Right. So let, I know we're, we're getting towards the end of our time together. And so I want to make sure people have some cool ahas to take with them and some things to put into practice. Like maybe they listen to this episode and they're like, I'm going to surprise my significant other with a meal of dot, dot. So let's go into some of the foods because we did speak about the ones that could inhibit. Now let's talk about ones that we could all stand to put into our diet. How about this? I will walk you through an example of a date night sex venue. So all the things, I mean, all the things we talked about, obviously, you know, if you can try to get in some leafy greens and a baked potato or baked yam for your lunch every day, great, because that's going to give you a whole lot of potassium, a whole lot of some of those minerals and, you know, all the benefits of leafy greens, things like that. But um, the date night sex menu has a lot of options. I, I included a whole lot of things, but there's different categories of things you want to include. We talked about them, the polyphenols, omega-3s, um, potassium, nitric, you know, naturally occurring nitrates. And so what such a meal might look like, might look like, okay, for those of you who are plant-based, we're going to do it a, a little one way. For those of you who are not plant-based, we'll do it a little bit differently. So we can start with a fresh leafy green salad. Spinach is a nice superstar that has a lot of research. We're going to squirt some lemon juice on there. So you're going to get some of our vitamin C, which remember boosts our mood um, quite rapidly. So we're squirting some lemon on it and we've got some cruciferous in there. Um, so that's got all those nitrates to open up our blood vessels. It's got the potassium to soften the blood vessels and make them more elastic. And we start with that. We start also with a, a beverage of some beet juice. You can squeeze some beets. We're going to get a little of that in. Again, more dietary nitrates, dilating those blood vessels. And um, then we move on to uh, a nice acorn squash. We put some of those aphrodisiac cloves and some nutmeg. We hold the salt. We might put a little pepper on there. And if we're plant-based, we're also going to um, sprinkle them with some walnuts for the omega-3s, getting our omega-3s in, which again, uh, soften those uh, blood vessels and deliver more blood flow. If we're meat eaters, we're going to throw on some, maybe some wild salmon as well. And, um, you know, and then for a dessert, we're going to have maybe a mango and berry parfait which is going to give us uh, some more potassium with the mango. And it's also going to give us some of those polyphenols, antioxidants, which again, improve arterial function in the short term. So that's a delicious meal. It's very light. It will not make you feel sluggish at all. You'll feel very energized after it and your blood will be flowing. So, you know, you, you cook together, have a nice intimate, um, intimate, meal prep, a nice dinner, you digest a little bit, fool around a little bit, and then, you know, get, have a night of, of lovemaking and your body's going to be cooperating really nicely with you. Mm. Great way to end the show. Everybody, did y'all take notes? Do you have to like pull over and like write it down? You can listen back? Or you can, of course, purchase Diet for Great Sex, which I'm sure there's many more examples like that and the reasons behind why you're choosing which food groups and foods specifically. And super cool to think about all of the different things that aren't actual, aren't genitals that have to do with the genital. Right. And and not even having to do with the mind, you know, it's like, it's amazing because, yeah, we think... Yeah. 
you know, we think it all happens in the mind and it, and it really is such a cooperative effort. It's many things. And I'm grateful for people who, because I focus a lot on the mind stuff and the body stuff, uh, as far as like the relationship with the mind and the body and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's definitely a big part of what our brand and our business is about is like helping people not feel alone, having them feel seen, having them feel heard, but also yeah. holding them accountable from a place of love and empathy and compassion. And if you want better, you take responsibility for that. And so I'm yeah. really grateful that people like you exist that are like, and here's the other stuff that you can simply just, just do. This is what it is you know, some objective truth and this is food and this is, you know, and, and of course there's, even when I say like objective truth, there's many schools of thought, but when it comes to like, okay, this is an item that will help increase blood flow or will help, you know, or this is an item that will essentially have you feel really sluggish afterwards. It's like, okay, cool. That's something I can put into play right now yep. while I work Absolutely. on all of the other stuff in the meantime. Yep you know, and that's brilliant. So thank you, Christine, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your vulnerability and all of the things. I appreciated um, how you showed up on the show and I'm excited to, to do some of your recipes on a date night soon. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for having me on the show and I've had a blast. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.